if you are seeing some good organic rent growth, trying to be very, very intentional about the the work that you would do, or what can I expect out of the existing uh, unit growth there? Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. All right. Well, welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation. And you have two special guests today. My name is Drew Whitson with Endurance Capital. And one of my partners I'm with is Matt Bronner. Hey, Matt. Hey, Drew. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, of course, Todd is not here. Todd is out in the mountains of Montana killing God's creatures. Um, killing God's juicy, delicious creatures, in fact. So um, we're, we're hoping to share a, a, a successful hunt over an elk burger here sometime in the next couple of weeks. Todd's also going to give a follow-up podcast on how to build systems so that you can close on properties while you hunt elk. That's right. You have your two partners working all weekend so you can enjoy the great outdoors. Exactly. So We're joking. No, um, Todd works incredibly hard. We love Todd. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. We... Um, uh, Endurance Capital had a pretty big week. We we closed one last week, didn't we, Matt? We did. And I think it's a great story to share because it really typifies a lot of character traits that are necessary for this business. So we first found out about this deal back in October of 21. Heard initially the owner was interested in selling off market, had to move very quickly, did all of our underwriting took it to the owner. The owner said, gosh, I never thought I'd get an offer like this, but I just don't think my family's ready to sell. And so we put it out of our mind because we were actually walking an asset at the time in Little Rock that we had to step away from because we uncovered some bad debt that wasn't on the books. But again, that's a topic for another podcast. Right. Fast forward to closing day for Regal Park, which we have renamed The Rye, got a follow-up phone call from Silvestri Real Estate, which is a great brokerage in Lexington, Kentucky, one of our key strategic partners. And we've always tried to stay in touch with them about what they're seeing. And they said, hey, the seller's come back around. He's really interested again, but he said, we got to get him something today or he's going to list with another brokerage. So we got him something and it wasn't good enough. And he listed with the other brokerage. Well, the other brokerage fell through. And about two months later, it was, hey, they are really focused on working purely with you guys. And so we were able to go back to our underwriting for the third time, got a signed LOI and we're able to move forward. Had some fun along the way that I'm sure we can get into, but we're really excited to continue to grow our portfolio in Lexington. When you manage a portfolio, you kind of think of things like supply chain. So I want to grow with my property manager. I want to grow where they know the rental market. I want to grow where they can tap into the right employment sources. I want to grow where I have access to the right contractors. If construction is a part of my business plan. And we know Lexington, we have history in Lexington. And so we're really, really excited to bolt on another asset there. Yeah, that's great. And it's just down the street for another one we popped purchased earlier this year called the Pops. Um, so it fits really well into sort of what we know about that market. Uh, and we can start to have better exposure and confidence in our ability to get the rents we need um, using those property managers that have, have demonstrated their willingness to uh, grow with us and um, execute the plans. I'm hoping we can share staff at point two once yeah. we get both properties stabilized. Yeah. And that, that property we closed last week was kind of a fun one because it's not often you find properties that are that large, 124 units, that are actually run by a ma and pa operation. 
So it, that you meet the owner. And I remember walking through the property and, and the guy who was giving us the tour, I think was the nephew of, of the seller. And he said, was it the son? Okay. The son. And he was walking through his saying, and look, we were looking at um, some of these really nice, big new dumpster enclosures, which are just a great way to make the property look good. And I remember him saying, boy, I, my, my mom sure said we needed these dumpster enclosures. She says, you did not like seeing the dumpsters. So mom said we had to get those. So it's uh, it, it really comes from a, a fun place to see sort of a true family operation, uh, which historically is how a lot of multifamily assets were run. Um, it's only sort of the last uh, generation here that they've gone from sort of a mom and pop operations to um, more private equity groups and sort of professionally managed from a larger standpoint as as legal laws and as as efficiencies around larger operations have become, have made it more worthwhile. So uh, it was fun to actually see a mom and pop operation and they sure had done a, a good job with the tenant base. It's really fun to be able to close an asset and have 100% occupancy. That That doesn't normally happen. I think that's a first for Enduris, actually. We had planned part of what we negotiate in all of our purchases sale agreements because we want to provide an incentive even when we have a, a really good seller like we had here. We want to make sure they have an incentive to keep going. They need to continue the operations of the property. It's called a rent-ready unit credit. So we say, hey, for every vacant unit at closing that is not rent-ready, mm-hmm. you have to pay us $1,200. So we want to give a, a financial incentive to the seller there. And we map out our closing process. And I review that every day with our acquisitions and transaction manager. We got to, we typically do it about five or 10 days out from closing. And we queued up our property manager to go over and she was contacting the seller. And she said, Hey, I'd like to come over and see all the vacant units to determine what's rent ready and what's not. And they said, ah, I don't have anything. We're going to be 100% occupied as of closing. So that's a really good problem to have. I'd much rather have 100% occupancy than $1,200 a unit there. And I, I think, Drew, everything you mentioned illustrates just how local this deal was and is. And you got to, because this specific area, if you know Lexington, you really generally want to be south. So we are about 10 minutes away from the pops. Uh, and as you approach it, you can see that, you know, you're tucked away. The property is actually named the hideaway at Trees Tops and you're, you're truly hidden away next to a golf course. We've got to do a lot of work to the exterior to uh, improve some of the curb appeal, but you got really nice large units tucked away in a really quiet, uh, kind of wooded area of town. And if you go a couple of blocks the other way, the, the area can kind of become a little bit class C, but then it becomes really, really nice as well. So required us to have a lot of confidence in our property manager, mm-hmm. being able to look and find the right comps for where we know this can go. Interesting too, because the owner was able to help us a little bit with self-comping. In fact, some of the studios that they were turning over right before closing are actually renting at our pro forma rent price. So that helped a lot. We had to go back and forth with the appraiser a little bit, ended up uh, being a better than where we needed to be. But having some of those data points was super important. And that was because we never were referencing the seller. We were just referencing Bob. (laughs) Bob was who we were walking with on the (laughs) DD walks all the way through the negotiations. Yeah, self-comping is one of those terms we use. Um, It really just means that instead of having to look across the street or sort of down the block to find units that we think are comparable to where a rent target should be, it just means that the property is internally comping within itself, right? So you can have a certain level of finish or a couple of units that are turned. And if you've been able to generate the rent targets on a handful of units on your property, 
it's a comp that says it, we can know the rest of the property can hit these rents because we're already doing it on site. So it's by far sort of the strongest business case for your uh, for your 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 business plan and your pro forma is if you can simply go off what you are already getting, and that's before some of the exterior uh, deferred maintenance and some of the beautification and generally getting the property cleaned up um, and sort of recapitalizing that asset and allowing us to, um, I think, extract all of the value for the tenants. Uh, and really tr create sort of the best community uh, and most sort of stable returns for our investors as well. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to be said for local knowledge, whether it's specifically as Drew just articulated there, but I'll take the opinion of the property manager, my own research for assets that I own yep. over any online site. And so I get a lot of questions yeah. like, why Lexington? Yeah. And, and they're right, there's a lot of great markets you to go out there and invest in and we can talk more about evaluating markets now and what it's like to go find new deals yep. right now but sooner or later you come down to well this is the one i picked it's got the vectors of growth that i'm looking for and i know it well so i'm going to continue to dig in here yeah got it so this was endurance capital's third acquisition of the year we've got our fourth around the corner here but it's our third one so far all multifamily. we've done about boy 65 million dollars worth of Closer to 80 if you include the CapEx. Closer to 80 with the CapEx, right? 60 purchase price, 80 with the CapEx. How do, uh, do you and Zach, who, who runs our director of acquisitions, how are you guys seeing things, uh, the deal flow right now? How are you thinking about underwriting um, in this sort of uh, high inflationary yet high interest rate environment? How are, you guys, how are you guys putting pencil to paper on this one? In a word, very carefully. <laughs> but I would say that we've seen on a macro level deal flow slow down. We've been fortunate to, within Enduris, have good opportunities to underwrite that. But we are working a lot harder. Uh, I think you've seen uh, it was ahead of the June Fed meeting where we got the surprise 75 basis point rent hike that led to a phenomenal amount of retrading because mm -hmm. it was really driven by the lenders. Now, a lot of that's been priced in. And so you have buyers that are understanding their cost of capital that they're going to come into a deal with. And you have a lot of sellers who, from my perspective, are looking back at COVID where right at the outset of COVID, uh, there were those who moved forward with a sale and they had to do so at a pretty significant discount because there was so much uncertainty. But those who waited, well, they were very much rewarded if they were willing to wade through three to four months of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really think a lot of sellers are doing right now, where things have whipsawed around so much that unless they have uh, a loan that is maturing and they have mm -hmm. no way out of it, or they have other investor requirements that they need to meet, or they are underwater on a property, you've seen a lot of them step back because there's just such a gap between what buyers can afford to pay and what sellers are willing to take for a property. In terms of how we are looking, uh, we always had a bend towards agency financing, fixed rate financing. That's been solidified and that's really the only way that we are underwriting right now. Uh, we have on some smaller deals, look towards local banks or uh, some recourse option to get some pricing reduction that actually played in uh, to the hideaway here. And then as we look at where rents can go, uh, Rents, as we were talking about earlier, uh, you can got to be really careful where you're going for your data source. And so we're trying to stay uh, really, really true to the markets that we true to the markets that we know. Mm 
mm-hmm. I should say, because yeah. although there's a lot of people out there that are saying, hey, we think inflation is going to continue to rip at eight to 10 percent. The fact of the matter is we're going to come up against and we haven't quite reached it, but we're going to come up against just a, a simple asymptote of what our residents can afford to pay. And so we are in some markets pricing in maybe in a, an initial bump, but we have moved beyond anything drastic that you saw of eight, nine, 10% increases, even though we have least trade out reports that support it. We're not, we're not going to base our underwriting on that nice. specifically. And then nice. given the cost of construction and the inflationary pressures felt there, we are really working hard and putting a premium on opportunities where we can execute more of a management play, mm-hmm. or you can come in and solve a debt problem from somebody who maybe signed up for right. a loan over the past 18 months. That's really creating a lot of pain for them. Or if you are seeing some good organic rent growth, trying to be very, very intentional about the, the work that you would do, or what can I expect out of the existing a unit growth there. Uh, so trying to, to avoid some of the larger CapEx projects that we've taken on in the past. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Good. Um, so Matt, as you, as you and Zach, give us a sense of how much you guys do, right? Because I think it's $65 million of acquisition sounds like a big number, but give us a backdrop of what that looks like from a volume side in terms of what did it take us to get to that 65? So that's a funny question because I have to remind Zach a lot and those that touch our business, this is not an efficient business. Uh, I'm going to steal a line from my partner here and say, you know, birds fly, fish swim, and deals fall apart. W- what we do is really, really hard, right? It's it's natural for birds to fly. It's natural for fish to swim. And it's natural for deals to fall apart because of the amount of money and the complexity of these transactions. And you also are looking at transactions where there's no real right or wrong price. Mm -hmm. There's right or wrong prices based on the needs of your equity. And so we've had to sift through over just about the past year, a phenomenal amount of offerings. We totaled it up the other day to, we're going to call for round numbers, call it 80 million. We've offered, if you look at just the whisper price, we've offered on $6.6 billion dollars worth of property or excuse me we've underwritten 6.6 billion dollars okay with the property now we have to like a property be think that we're close enough to be able to offer on it we've offered on 1.8 billion dollars worth of property so the takeaway there is that it's a phenomenal amount of work to do what we do i want to give zach a shout out he's incredibly bright we're very fortunate to have him really excited to have him continue to grow with our team there but the fact of the matter is you've got to dig into markets that you trust and know well with sources of truth that you can then rely on with the overarching knowledge that these investments are so complex that there could be things totally beyond your control that could shift a seller to another to select a, a totally different offer or with regards to the financing that you're able to secure. And so uh, although it's become harder, that, that's, that's a hunger that we've maintained. We know that there is an aspect of this that's purely a numbers game. And so we are, we're pushing ourselves to really be underwriting two, three, four deals a week. Yeah, that's me. I think one of the interesting things about, I, as someone who was, uh, went to school for economics and worked sort of in the finance world, you sort of think that there is a fair market clearing price of an asset, right? You think that there is a property is worth something, right? And there's just this price discovery that has to go on. 
through an acquisition, through a disposition and, and purchase process until you arrive at what the market thinks it's worth. Uh, but it's amazing when you disassemble that, you can realize that one asset can have multiple fair market prices depending upon contingencies related to the seller, the debt structure of the buyer, the risk return requirements of what the buyer is receiving. There are buyers right now accessing US, US real estate in the hopes of just not losing money. Right. And so if I have to compete with my equity requirement, rent returns uh, against someone who simply just doesn't want to lose money, boy, that's a really different, that those are different people are willing to make different prices on the same asset. So that, that it's, it's this uh, unique thing that has sort of been a surprise uh, that there is different price points. A fair market value exists in multiple, it's like multiple dimensions, right? It's like, it's like interstellar, right? There's multiple dimensions and there's real prices that exist in different. And so it's, it's one of those uh, amazing things we're trying to learn to figure out how do we now operate within the, the, the vortex or then the context of giving us the best price, the best risk adjusted opportunity amongst sort of the spread of things that we underwrite and what we have advantages on and what we have, um, you know, from a sizing and acquisitions and standpoint and partnership. So that's been a, it's been a very unique process to sift through that. And you guys sure do a good job. And I just want to make sure you guys understand these numbers here, right? Uh, you know, $80 million on 6 billion is like a little more than 1%, right? And closing on, you know, if we rate, you made offers of what, 1.6 billion? 1.8 billion. 1.8, right? I mean, now you're talking about, you know, 2%, right? You're talking about really, really small, that, that deal funnel from, you know, market, you know, deal size, to underwritten, to offer, to close, it gets really, uh, it's a very wide and narrow deal funnel. Um, obviously, Matt, you and I spent a lot of time talking with people who are prospecting to get into the multifamily syndication space. What would you say to someone who's looking at doing their first deal, right? Sub, sub $2 million, $2 million and under, right? Looking at that, that 10 to 12 unit multifamily asset, maybe 20 units, depending on part of the country. What would you, what would you tell them as sort of their, the, the, the widest guidelines for how they should be thinking about underwriting and, uh, and acquisition criteria? So my first word to them would be focus, right? You want to focus on an asset type and you want to focus on markets that you have a history in or that you have boots on the ground Yep. And there's a lot going on right now in our business. People can get excited about Texas. They can get excited about Florida. Well, there's a lot of competition because a lot of other people are getting excited about those markets as well. And people always, always, always take for granted what they know mm -hmm. about their own backyard and the trust and credibility that they have in their own backyard. So somebody just getting started, I would say, well, where are you going to invest? And you better have a darn good reason if that's not the place where you live. Yep. And then the next word would be humility. So. We got into this business, not even really knowing what the word syndication was. The first time we looked at an apartment deal, which was a joint venture, we didn't know if it was legal. We were like, how do you do this? Who goes on title? Because our whole framework was that you buy one single family home, you manage it, and you collect the rent. Mm -hmm. And that's just what we thought applied to apartments. You just extrapolated that from single family homes. We had people along the way who came and built into us. And, you know, we, we didn't take the idea that we had to own everything. We, we definitely kept the mantra that we had something to learn. Right. So just know that you are <laughs> nothing about this business is get rich quickly. This is a get rich slowly business. Yes. And so if you have opportunities to partner 
with people who understand uh, the market, who can uh, help you understand how to underwrite, who can help mm-hmm. you understand. You got to really focus on your debt right now. And yep. I think some of this is highlighted. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, but all these fluctuations in the debt market, I think, have reminded people in our business that the largest investor in any deal is the lender. Mm-hmm. They always bring the most money to yep. the closing table yep. here. Yep. So people who can source that, who can understand it, who can negotiate it, and who can secure it, there's a lot of value there. Yeah, good. And then the other piece is just patience. You know, you can be easy to get caught up in. People are doing something. People are closing deals. It's easy to, the models that we build, Drew and I like to joke, we can we can paint really rosy pictures uh, based on how we change a few key inputs into our models. If we say, you know what, inflation's going to go on forever at 8%. Let's rip this, right? Yeah, then, then I can justify a lot of other purchase prices. So uh, it's, it's, it's focus, it's humility, and then it's patience to trust your underwriting. Yep, yep, good. And be there in person, right? One, one of the things that we've learned recently from Duras Capital is it's amazing how much more things happen when you get on site to see the property, right? Remote asset management uh, doesn't work or it certainly doesn't work really well. And so we have learned uh, that the days leading up to and after we are on site, things get done, right? So um, that has been consuming a lot of our regular energy. In fact, you're heading there, you're heading to Memphis, you're, well, you're heading to all of our properties starting tomorrow. Yeah, my flight leaves at 9 a.m. I'll be in Memphis <laughs> for a day. I, I know that trip well we've kind of been running the three-man weave you todd and i as we push a couple of key projects over the finish line down in memphis and uh, unfortunately there's no good uh direct flight from memphis up to louisville or lexington so my next piece of advice for somebody getting into this business if you want to invest out of state make sure delta flies there direct that's certainly one of my rules that's uh, right in terms of how i can get there (laughs) because got young kiddos at home i want to spend time with them and my lovely wife of course so Moving from there, though, as Drew touched on, it's one of the fundamental rules of life and business. Stuff shows, stuff happens when you're there in person to ask people questions face to face. Same thing applies when I ask my kids to clean up the basement and then I go down and I'm going to look at them and say, did you get this done? Uh, as opposed to just letting them yell it up the stairs to me. <laughs> and then as you were posing that question, Drew, I started going through my mind. I can't think of many. I can only think of one investment, one deal that we've done where it was totally, Hey, we, we caught it on an initial marketing blast, beat out all the other offers yep. and closed that every other one has been like, not the reason that we were in town for the yep. pops. I was in town to go talk about other properties. And I happened to see the OM on the brokers, uh, pad folio and said, I, can, I, can you tell me more about that? Right. And then that was a six month saga before we were able to even get on site and do the due diligence, get an LOI yep. signed. So there's no efficiencies in this business by going, you you generate a a lot of activity and you can step back and say, Oh, it's all luck. Or you can, I think it's the Larry bird mantra. I find the harder I work, the luckier I get, right. The more often I go to my markets, the more opportunities I give myself to find these assets. That's right. Wonderful. And thank you for doing that, Matt. We appreciate you getting on a flight tomorrow. (laughs) Part of the game. Cool. Well, hey, thank you so much, everyone. Um, Hope you enjoyed this special edition of Pillars of Wealth Creation with Drew and Matt. Um, Well, I'm sure Todd will will be back the next time around. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Drew. Good luck out there, Todd.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. The rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.